Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, January 23rd, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing our most anticipated films of the 2019 Sundance Film Festival. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. You've given up on the uh, the everyday thing, changing well, it up? Is, this is a special episode, so we okay. went back to the... <laughs> Back to the classic. Yeah. Uh, so the the team here, uh, not including me, for the first year, first time in uh, I think like 15 years or something insane, uh, is heading to Park City, Utah for the Sundance Film Festival. And uh, actually, Chris, this is your first time going. Are you excited? Uh, I'm very nervous. I'm very anxious. Not just because of the plane, just in general, because I don't. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm, uh, I'm a pro at TIFF because I've been going there for a few years. I've never done this. I don't know where everything is. I don't even know how I pick up my badge. I, uh, so I feel a little overwhelmed. I'm sure once I get there, I'll, I'll get in the groove. But today I'm freaking out a little bit. I will say that the Sundance, having gone to a lot of film festivals, Sundance Film Festival feels different than like the Toronto International Film Festival because that just feels like, there's people, locals going to these, you know, world premiere screenings in a city where this actually feels like everybody is there for the festival. Like everybody has traveled. Uh, there are locals, but, you know, um, and especially like in previous years, you know, you'll be on a shuttle bus around this small uh, town, this mountain town. And like you'll be hearing buzz, people talk about certain films and like, you know, you'll end up completely changing your plans <laughs> like from one day to the next based on what you're just overhearing uh I, I guess that buzz has kind of gone over to twitter at this point it used to be more of that it used to be more of uh you running into filmmakers on the the buses now all the filmmakers and the stars are on like their own like uh you know uber black uh, uh private transports uh although you do run into some filmmakers on the buses um let's talk about sundance because I know some a lot of people out there listening to this are probably like, why should I care about Sundance? So, uh, Brad, why don't you tell us why should they care? 
Sundance is uh, this a big independent film festival where a lot of movies are being seen for the first time. And these are usually the kinds of movies that end up getting big buzz when they start getting released over the summer. Some of them ride uh, a wave of popularity all the way to the Oscars, as we've seen uh, with movies like uh, The Big Sick. Um, you know, uh, It's just a, a, a festival where there's a lot of buzz and excitement because this is the first time we're seeing these new movies. A lot of them are from new filmmakers. Some of them are from filmmakers who have played Sundance before and have had hit films that made their careers. Uh, this is a place where, you know, directors get discovered and new new voices are heard um, and great stories are told. So there's there's always something new and exciting at Sundance to see and to uh, be excited about once the movies get picked up and once the buzz starts coming out of the festival. And so it's just it's good to be there. It's good to pay attention just so that you know what's coming and you you know what movies the, to look forward to later this year. What are some big films that have come out of this festival? Ben, ben do you have an idea, like a, a good uh, roundup? I mean, just off the top of my head from last year, I mean, Searching was there. That ended up being one of my favorite films of the year. And Blind Spotting and Sorry to Bother You were, you know, big movies that, uh, you know, made that that went over very, very well at the festival and then continued to be a part of the, you know, cinephile conversation all throughout the rest of the year. So those three off the top of my head alone, uh, you know, I, I loved being a part of the first batch of audiences to see those movies and and being able to champion those. Uh, Mandy was another one that that debuted there. Um, Jordan eighth, Peele's Get Out premiered eighth, at Sundance. Eighth Grade was also there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, there was a ton, you know, just from last year. The last year was, I think, one of the best years of Sundance that I've been, and I've I've been probably I don't know five or six times or something at this point. So, yeah. um, yeah, but you know, over the course of history, Peter, I'm sure you have a list of. You know, some of the, the huge ones that have uh, that have gone over re- really well and crossed over into the mainstream. Well, uh, funny you should say that, Ben, because I've put together the best movies of Sundance Film Festival history uh, from 1985 until 2017. I'll update it until, uh, for with last year's stuff. But um, I will link those in the show notes and you can you can go through every year and see what the biggest film was to come out of that year. And also, or the best film, uh, not not usually the biggest, but the best. And uh, also the the other films that debuted that year that were also pretty big. I mean, like, you know, th- this is a festival that a lot of filmmakers get their start. Like, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson's Brick, his first film, uh, was at the Sundance Film Festival in, uh, what, 2000... Uh, it must have been 2005, I 2005, think. yes. You were right, 2005. My first year at the Sundance Film Festival was 2004, and that was the year that they had Super Size Me, Napoleon Dynamite, Saw, Garden State, uh, Primer. Hey, I guess it goes uh, down in, uh, <laughs> after that. But um, but there was a lot of uh, – there's a lot of film, great films that come out of Sundance, and um, I, the thing I loved about going to Sundance is – the discovery because you go to these other film festivals like like chris i know you go to tiff every year and tiff is great because you get to see a lot of the award films early um but you pretty much know for the most part when you're going there what you're seeing do i mean like i like that like with one of the things i'm i'm thrown with this festival is i don't know any of what's going to be good or not and i'm like i have this like nagging feeling in the back of my head that everything I pick is going to be a dud and it's going to be like, well, 
that was a waste of time. So <laughs> that happens some years. It really yeah. does. Yeah. And, and the thing that sucks too is, you know, some of these, uh, the guide descriptions, because the studios don't even re- uh, release subscriptions. You have to go based on the Sundance programmers and what they write up in their guide. And some of those descriptions seem wildly more exciting than the actual film is, or, you know, the opposite. So you, you never know. You're basing it off of, like, you know, one thumbnail image in the guide and, you know, the, the what the the programmer has to say. Uh, and also, obviously, you know, Sundance has gotten huge. Uh, you know, it used to be a festival where uh, filmmakers were discovered. You know, it's where Kevin Smith and, you know, all, all that whole group, Steven Soderbergh. Um, but nowadays, a lot of the films there are big you know, big actors in these small, just smaller films. And uh, so, so it's a little less of that nowadays, but it is still a lot of films that are like unknown quantities um, that I think people are going to, uh, you know, the best of the crop people are going to discover later in the year, possibly even the, in the award uh, consideration at the end of this year. So I think that's why people should care. Um I guess now people are probably wondering how can they attend this festival? Uh, I would say that this is probably the hardest, one of the hardest festivals to attend um, because uh, it's really hard to get tickets. If you're a Utah local, they have a, I think a lottery system there to get tickets, uh, which makes it easier. If you are a writer for some, uh, (laughs) you know, magazine, newspaper, website, uh, they do have a good press press program. And uh, this year they have kind of opened it up to a more diverse group of voices, which is great. And uh, they also do volunteers. My first year at the Sundance Film Festival in 2004 was not as press. Slash Film did not exist. I was just a film fanatic and I volunteered and they put me up in a condo filled with other volunteers and I worked, you know, eight hours a day and I, on my time off, I could, they have volunteer lines for each of the theaters and I got to see, honestly, more films than I see now when I go to Sundance I saw as a volunteer, which is kind of crazy. Maybe because you don't have to write them up when you're just enjoying them. Um, but uh, I guess that's how you can see it. Uh, but it's probably t- more realistic for people to go to a festival like TIFF, I guess, right? Like TIFF or like New York Film Festival or something like that. Um, see, it, It's more accessible, I think. Um, uh, I guess, okay, you guys have looked down this lineup. Uh, you, you've, you've gone from start to finish and you've dug in. Um, I have not. So I'm wondering, how does this year's Sundance lineup uh, look compared to previous years? Uh, For me, I I feel like this is another year where there's not necessarily a lot of movies to get super excited about. There's things that I think that me, Ben, and Chris are personally excited about, but there's there's no big movies or big premieres that everyone is looking forward to as there have been. Uh, in some recent years, uh, the the last year was a little bit like this too, and you know, if anything, I actually think that makes the festival a little bit more exciting because it means you know we're we're in for some surprises, hopefully more good surprises than bad ones. Um, so yeah, there's there's not really uh, a huge swath of movies that that are that already have buzz going into the festival. So we're definitely going to be hearing a lot of it after movies start playing in Park City. And I also agree that that makes it a little bit more exciting instead of having these, uh, you know, spotlight movies that 
we that you know carry the weight of expectations already it seems like there's really uh, an even playing field for the most part with all of these movies and and you know we're going in fresh and we don't really know what we're going to find and that's um, that's the exciting part about it it makes you guys excited it makes chris nervous um but uh let's let's dive in because you guys have uh created a list of the top 12 most anticipated movies of this year's Sundance Film Festival and you can read that whole list on slashfilm.com but uh we're going to talk about a bunch of the films here right now uh Ben what is one of the films you're uh anticipating uh, one of them is a late addition to this year's lineup. It's called Wounds, and it stars Army Hammer and Dakota Johnson. And it is the second feature from writer-director Babak Anvari, who made a horror thriller called Under the Shadow in 2016. I have not seen that movie yet, but it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes still. And uh, it's on Netflix right now. I've downloaded it to my phone, so I'm going to try to watch it on the plane out to Park City so I can get, be a little bit more familiar with this filmmaker. But the premise of of wounds is uh, army hammer plays a bartender in new orleans who uh, retrieves a cell phone that was left behind in his bar after a fight there and he starts experiencing mysterious and disturbing things when he begins receiving calls and texts on that stranger's phone and dakota johnson plays his girlfriend who strike starts to investigate what's going on here and it really from the photo that you can see in our piece at slashroom.com it seems like it, she's like slowly driven insane by the information that she discovers so uh, i'm very curious about this one and, and really excited to see it this totally seems like a chris film to me <laughs> yeah, I somehow this actually slipped my attention, and now that Ben is talking about, it, I might try and catch it if I have time. I, I actually have seen uh, Under the Shadow, and, and it, it is good. So uh, this does sound interesting to me. And this uh, film is based on a horror novella called uh, The Visible Filth by Nathan Ballingroot. So uh, it, oh, that's it, such a better title. I wish the movie were called that. Yeah, <laughs> Wounds is very generic. That's a, that's such a better title. Oh well. Uh, one of the movies that I'm looking forward to is called Late Night, uh, getting on brand with my uh, comedy nerd side. This is a movie that stars Mindy Kaling as a writer who is hired as the lone female writer on a staff of men writers for a late night talk show that's hosted by Emma Thompson. Um, but apparently, like, she wants to make a, an impression uh, really help help the show, but it sounds like the ratings on the show are down. The network's not happy with it, and they're on the verge of cancellation. Um, this is a movie from, uh, uh, sorry, Nisha Ganatra, and she's the director and producer of Amazon's Transparent. She's also been a hired gun on TV shows like The Mindy Project, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Girls. Uh, so she's got plenty of experience with comedy. Uh, this sounds like a really one of those really interesting uh, showbiz kind of movies. And with Mindy Kaling in, in the lead role, which is something she hasn't um, really done on the big screen, I'm excited to see uh, what she can do with a movie like this. I, I've always been fascinated with the like late night uh, TV show scene and like all, especially the movies and the late night wars, uh, you know, the books and movies that have kind of chronicled that. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if this is going to be any good. I, I know – this film was announced in 2016, and originally uh, Paul Feig was going to direct this. So uh, this looks like it, it, they went a different way. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out. Um, Chris, what is the film that you are looking forward to? I, th I think if if anything, uh, the film you're gonna, about to say, Chris, is the one I would be looking forward to the most. Uh, yes, it is Velvet Buzzsaw, which is the new film from Dan Gilroy. Um even before the trailer dropped for this, which was recently, I was I was pretty excited. And then the trailer put me uh, over the top and 
like, you know, normally I might avoid something like this because it's playing at Sundance and then like less than a week later, it's going to be on Netflix. So there's almost like a feeling like maybe I'm wasting time, but it looks so good that I, I can't, I feel like I can't skip it. Um, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is in it. He's, he's reteaming with Dan Gilroy. They, they work together on Nightcrawler and he's playing an art critic. And Jake Gyllenhaal has gotten to this point in his career where he's just doing really goofy voices and i'm like all for it i i love this phase of his career where he's just playing weirdos doing weird voices and <laughs> i don't even know what to make of this movie but he's like an, an art critic and there's a series of paintings that get left behind by this uh this artist who dies and the paintings apparently are haunted i i don't even know it just looks insane and i'm i'm really excited about it because i loved nightcrawler i did not like Dion Gilroy's second movie, Roman J. Israel Esquire, which was just a mess. I did not like that at all. But this looks like it's him like bouncing back. Like maybe he had a sophomore slump and he's he's back with something a lot uh, more interesting. I mean, it looks this looks nothing like Nightcrawler or Roman J. Israel. So I'm very excited to just see how this turns out. Uh, recently for the Slash Filmcast, we listed our top five movies of the last 10 years. And I was uh, I, I went through my entire letterbox and uh, ranked every year, every movie of every year of the last 10 years. And Nightcrawler was one of only 12 films that I gave a perfect five star rating on letterbox in the last uh, five years. So uh, I, I'd say I'm excited about this is an understatement. And I know uh, Gilroy, before this went into production... I have not even watched the trailer for this, to be honest with you, but uh, because I, I, it's coming so soon, I'm just going to wait. Uh, but Gilroy, um, before this went into production, I remember him saying that this was going to have the a vibe of like the player, the movie The Player, and he took inspiration from Robert Altman's like huge ensemble type, uh, you know, th- th- those films of uh, Robert Altman. Uh, do you feel that from the trailer, Chris? Absolutely not. <laughs> when I, I was reading about the film, I did see it mentioned that even though Jake Gyllenhaal is at the center of the film, it is an ensemble piece, but the trailer doesn't make it look like that at all. And also, you know, I, I love Altman, but this looks like nothing Altman <laughs> ever made. So, I mean, maybe the trailer is misleading. I don't know. But based on the trailer, I don't get an Altman vibe at all. Okay, cool. Uh, ben, what is another film you're looking forward to? Uh, there's one called Relive, which stars David Oyelowo from Selma and Storm Reed from A Wrinkle in Time. She played the the lead character, Meg Murray, in that movie, the, the like, 13-year-old protagonist. Uh, the... Description of this movie is after an LAPD detective's family is killed in what appears to be a grisly murder, the detective receives an impossible phone call from his young niece, who is one of the victims of that murder. And in, uh, using this sort of time twisted scenario to his, his advantage, the detective ends up uh, basically like encouraging the niece over the phone to get enough clues for him to try to solve the case. And I think Blumhouse is um involved with this in some way it seems like sort of like a blumhouse kind of premise uh it reminds me a little bit of a movie called deja vu from like 2006 or 7 which starred denzel washington that was also sort of like a time it reminds me of uh of the movie frequency that was released many years ago uh it was actually directed by the now head of new line and warner brothers am i correct there toby emmerich 
I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow, um, I didn't realize that he was a director before that. Interesting. And they actually made a TV show of that a couple of years ago, which I actually enjoyed. It's, it's, it sounds like this this could have the potential of being like this year searching for you, but or it could be bad. So, <laughs> uh, Switching gears a little bit away from the narrative side of things, there is a documentary coming out called Memory, The Origins of Alien. Um, this comes from director uh, Alexander O. Uh, Philippi. And the, the last time he took a deep dive into a classic movie, uh, he gave us the fascinating documentary 7852, which was a, a very in-depth and extensive investigation um, and interpretation of the shower scene from Psycho. Uh, it featured all sorts of talking heads and commentary from critics and uh, fans and filmmakers about it. And so having him dive into a movie like Alien uh, sounds really exciting. Uh, this is a movie that has been explored you know, behind the scenes and talked about countless times over the years because it's such a revered movie. Um, but it seems like this might have some, a little bit more to it. Uh, the, the description says it will also focus on, quote, the deep resonance of myths and our collective unconscious. And so uh, it sounds like they'll have, uh, you know, a lot of access to behind the scenes uh, details and, and art and uh, development and that kind of thing. So hopefully it'll be something that allows us to see the movie in a, a new light and reveal some things that we don't know about the, the movie. See, this seems to me like another Chris pick. I'll see this eventually. I think I had it on my list of something possibly to see, but I'm not really a big documentary guy. I know people... Uh would scoff at that and i'm not like anti-documentary but i don't really go out of my way to see them for some reason i, I don't i don't i can't even explain why chris what is your neck uh mine is the very long titled uh extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile and i i talked about this i think on our most anticipated movies of the year list and it's a uh, it's a new film from joe berlinger who hasn't made a uh, a narrative film since uh, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Uh, that was his first narrative feature, and it did not turn out that well, so he's stuck to documentaries since then. He made the, uh, the the Paradise Lost documentaries about the West Memphis 3 for HBO, and this is another sort of true crime thing. It's about uh, Ted Bundy, and Ted Bundy is being played by Zac Efron. And, uh, there, the, you know, Ted Bundy, you know, he's infamous. He's one of the worst serial killers in American history. But there haven't been a lot of movies about Ted Bundy. There, you know, there's been a few like direct to video movies that are just terrible. And I'm very curious to see what a filmmaker like Joe Berlinger does with this material. I'm very curious to see how Zac Efron plays this character. I mean, Zac Efron may not be everyone's first thought when they think of a serial killer, but Ted Bundy's whole shtick, if you want to call it that, was that he looked like a, a normal, even like attractive guy. And that was how he was able to lure so many women into, you know, being his victims. He, he, he seemed like a very nice, handsome guy. And he was just this monster. And uh, I've never seen Zac Efron play a character like that. So I'm very interested in seeing how he plays it. Based on what you've seen of Efron's career so far, Chris, do you think he has it in him to, you know, pull off like a, a huge dramatic turn like this? I think he does. I actually think he's like, I don't want to say he's a great actor, but I think he's got a, a certain charisma that he's got that like movie star charisma, I guess, which a lot of people don't have anymore. And I'm very interested, you know, he, he primarily sticks to like comedy. So I, I think he's actually one of those actors who's just waiting for the right dramatic role to make everyone else realize like, oh, he's got, you know, he has more to him than what we're used to seeing. But I could be wrong. 
And I also feel like we keep on saying that, but he's kept on. He's had a couple dramatic roles that have been kind of acclaimed. Wasn't he in that? Um, was it a Linkletter film? Uh, the Orson Welles one. Oh, I never, me, I never saw Orson Welles. Yeah, yeah, I didn't see that either. And I saw was... that. I actually really like that movie, and he's good in it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's two things about this movie, uh, Chris, that make it interesting to me. Number one, uh, this script uh, won the 2012 Academy Nickel Fellowship uh, Awards. And that's like one of the golden standards of screenwriting awards. Uh, it took this long to get it made. Um, and partially it's getting made because of uh, because of Efron. Uh, becoming involved. Um, the other thing that makes it interesting to me is that this is going to be the acting debut of Metallica frontman James Hetfield, yes. who uh, who the director previously worked on on, on the documentary uh, Metallica: Some Kind of Monster, which I, I, I is an amazing documentary. Even if you don't like Metallica, I think it's uh, incredible. It's basically Metallica uh, in uh, session, like like a uh, with a psychologist, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. They were having like troubles amongst the band, and they so they basically all went to therapy together, and that's what it's about. Yeah, so uh, I'm interested to see how James Hetfield does in a uh, his narrative uh, acting debut. Uh, but Ben, what are you looking forward to? Uh, another one that I'm really excited about is called The Death of Dick Long. And uh, the premise is that this guy named Dick has died and his friends Zeke and Earl don't want anybody discovering how that death happened. But Zeke's wife and daughter start to become suspicious. And Zeke and Earl are a couple of screw ups who are really terrible at covering their tracks. So it seems like it's all going to come to a head in a really interesting way. That kind of sounds like a vague synopsis, but... The main reason that I'm excited about this is because it comes from Daniel Scheinart, that's the director, and he is one half of the directing duo known as Daniels, and they made a movie called Swiss Army Man a few years ago, which for me is like one of the biggest cinematic surprises of the past decade. It's the movie where Daniel Radcliffe plays a farting corpse, you guys probably remember <laughs> that. Um, that movie, you know, beyond its sort of insane premise, ended up being surprisingly heartfelt and like really emotional and uh, hilarious and very, very well done. It, you know, it seemed like they they approached that movie from let's take the most ridiculous premise possible and actually imbue it with some real uh, human emotion. Um so I, I'm hopeful that something similar is in store here. Maybe something a little bit more uh, uh, grounded than a farting corpse. But um, but yeah, still, I'm I'm very excited about this. And, uh, that premise sounds like Weekend at Bernie's to me. It's like two guys yeah. covering yeah. death. Yeah. Uh, so so what you're saying, Ben, is that you, you didn't just put this on your list so you could say the words Dick Long on the podcast. <laughs> that is correct. I would find a way to say those words, <laughs> any, you know, even if this movie didn't exist. <laughs> um, you know, this film is part of uh, the festival's next competition. And I know I said earlier that a lot of these films have gotten bigger and they have big stars and, uh, you know, it's they're not really quote-unquote independent films like you know there's films from studios at Sundance uh but the, the film festival a few years ago might even be like five or six years ago at this point uh introduced this uh, category called the next competition which basically is their uh uh you know place for films that actually come from a very indie uh point like it's it's where 
you can actually discover some some cool stuff. Not that it doesn't have uh, you know films with names that we recognize, but it is more of a like made on an independent level, like we imagine Clerks was made. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, that is my favorite uh, section of the competition. I hope you guys. And the, see that a seems to be where a lot of the uh, more the boundary pushing kinds of movies come from. Is that next? Uh, category as well i am looking forward to um a movie called big time adolescence uh as somebody like uh much like you peter who is a sucker for uh sort of coming of age comedies um this is something that fits into that line uh it's about a 16 year old teen named mo who isn't really on the right path and it's mostly because he's friends with a college dropout named zeke who is played by saturday night live cast member pete davidson uh, who used to date this kid's older sister and has absolutely no direction in life. And so uh, Zeke is teaching Mo the the ropes of dealing drugs, partying, uh, ghosting girls, and all this stuff. And his parents, uh, his, including his father, played by John Cryer, are not too happy about it. Uh, so th- this is one of those movies where uh, we've seen a lot of films like this before at Sundance. It's sort of a trope where you know there's a, a young kid who doesn't really have any direction uh, and kind of has to find himself, figure his life out, that kind of thing. Uh, and so it's pretty typical, but because uh, having somebody like Pete Davidson in it, I'm, as a Saturday Night Live fan, I'm excited to see what he does in a movie. And this is from a first-time director uh, named Jason Orley, so we don't really have a gauge of what to expect. So this is one of those where I'm, I'm hoping for the best simply just because I like the description of the movie and the, uh, the talent involved. And I think you're right. If I was at the festival, this is one of the movies I would be excited to see. Uh, this script was on the 2014 blacklist, which is uh, a compilation of Hollywood insiders putting together the best unproduced scripts uh, going around Hollywood. So, uh, you know, this has gotten some acclaim in script form. Uh, let's move on to Chris. What are you looking forward to? Uh, another one I'm looking forward to is The Report. Uh, this is a, a drama from Scott Z. Burns, who's collaborated with uh, Steven Soderbergh a lot. Um, I've said this before, but this this looks like, you know, awards bait the movie, but it also sounds really good. I mean, the cast is incredible. Adam Driver, Annette Bening, John Hamm, uh, Tim Blake Nelson, uh, Ted Levine, a character actor I really like. Uh, It's got a great cast and it's, it's based on a true story of a Senate staffer who was um, uh, put in charge of looking into the CIA's uh, interrogation program following 9-11. And, you know, he basically uncovered the fact that the CIA was engaging in torture. They weren't calling it torture. They were calling it uh, enhanced interrogation techniques but when you really boil it down it gets to being you know torture so this is all about uh the investigation into that and um i'm i'm just i'm a sucker for a really good political drama you know like all the president's men and uh there was this movie that a lot of people didn't really care for it's called state of play it had ben affleck and russell crowe in it and i really liked it just because i really like like political thrillers i really enjoy enjoy it that subgenre. So, you know, all the talent involved with this and that are combining to make me uh, very excited for this. See, I'm, I'm skeptical about this one. And I'll tell you why, Chris, because it, this kind of film is the kind of film that should debut at TIFF and be like award bait, like you said. And the fact that it didn't or they didn't hold on to it until TIFF of this year makes me think it might not be of that caliber. But uh, I don't know. 
great. <laughs> I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I could be to- totally wrong here. Ben, what are you looking forward to? Uh, the last one that I'm looking forward to is called Sweetheart, and it comes from filmmaker J.D. Dillard, who directed his first movie a couple years ago called Slight, which is a, a low-budget superhero movie. Uh, that one also played at Sundance, and now he's back with Sweetheart, which stars Kiersey Clemens as a woman who has washed ashore on a uh, tropical island, and she thinks she's completely alone. But when night falls, she realizes that she's not alone after all, and she has to fend off this malevolent force that comes after her at night. So uh, just the idea of this was filmed at the Fire Festival. (laughs) <laughs> no. it may have been um but uh kirsten clemens was in dope um and that was also a sundance movie from a few years ago she was at uh, she was in hearts beat loud last year at the festival um so she's sort of a she's becoming a she's a young actress but she's quickly becoming a sundance mainstay um i like her a lot as an actress and this premise sounded intriguing to me so uh, i i'm very curious to see what that malevolent force is going to be this this is one of those that i feel like has the potential to be uh, very surprising and and you know um a personal favorite or it could just be a total disaster and like uh you know not satisfying at all when that reveal comes so i feel like um i don't know we'll, we'll have to see what happens with this one I, I was a huge fan of slight which yes is a superhero slash magic uh, uh movie distributed by blumhouse um uh this one's also blumhouse right I think so. I think so, yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, and J.D. is a, I don't know, up-and-coming, uh, he's a promising filmmaker. I know he's attached to the Fly reboot, and uh, this film was shot in an island in Fiji, and apparently the script is only 68 pages in length due to the oh, lack wow. of dialogue in this film. So hmm. so that's a little interesting. I This would be on my, this would also be on my list of most anticipated. Uh, Brad, what is the last film on your list? The last film on my list uh, is another one that taps into the the comedy nerd side in me. It's called Brittany Runs a Marathon. Uh, It stars Jillian Bell, who uh, you might recognize as a supporting character from movies like 22 Jump Street, Office Christmas Party, and Rough Night. Uh, And she was also one of the supporting cast members on Workaholics. Uh, But here, much like Mindy Kaling in Late Night, she's taking a lead role. As um, a woman, a uh, 27-year-old woman who's living in New York, uh, not really doing so well health-wise, and she's been partying nonstop and just being kind of irresponsible, and she finds out that she has a high heart rate, high blood pressure, and other cautionary symptoms, so she decides to get her life together by uh, first running one block, and then running two blocks, and then more and more, and just trying to turn her life around. Um, and so there's, there's not much more given beyond that, but I, this sounds like it has the potential to be uh, a fun comedy, maybe even a little bit inspirational. Uh, and again, this is another one that's from a first-time director, uh, Paul Downs Calizo. Uh, Calizo, And uh, it's just with Jillian Bell in the lead, I, I always have thought that she's extremely funny, so I'm interested to see uh, what she does with a lead role. Yeah, that, this is that filmmaker's uh, directorial debut for a movie, but he did direct an episode of MacGyver. And so, yeah, it's kind of unknown quantity here. Uh, Chris, what is your last most anticipated film? Uh, mine is The Lodge. And let me just have a, a side note here. If you're having a movie, you're bringing a movie to Sundance, maybe don't call it The Lodge. Because if you Google Sundance, The Lodge, everything that comes up is actual lodges, not this movie. <laughs> so uh, that Also, is- <laughs> isn't there like an uh, FX series called Lodge or something? The Lodge? Like Lodge 49 or oh, something. Oh, it's like Lodge 49, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, when I was trying to look up info on this, everything that came up was actual lodges. That aside, uh, this is a horror movie. It's from the duo who directed this German horror movie called Goodnight Mommy, which I didn't entirely love because the script was kind of 
it had this really obvious twist that you can see like five minutes into the movie coming and it's not executed well, but the visuals were very creepy. So based on that, I'm interested to see what they do next and what they do next is this. And uh, it stars Riley Kehoe um, as this um, young woman who starts dating, who becomes engaged, this, this guy going through a divorce and the guy's kids, you know, from his previous marriage do not like her. And they start trying to dig up dirt on her and, you know, basically try and, uh, ruin her life and then that backfires because uh the kids and riley keogh's character end up getting snowed in at this lodge and so they're all trapped together in this house and it turns out riley keogh's character has a a dark disturbing uh secret from her past that uh comes back to haunt them all in a very bad way so uh the synopsis is like deliberately vague it, it mentions something about how she she comes from like a, a religious a strict religious background um but it, you know the synopsis that's available takes pains to not really mention just what is going on here so you know i'm sure there's like a big twist coming but uh based on you know riley keogh's presence she's a, she's a great indie actress and just uh i'm a sucker for you know horror in general so uh this this sounds like it could be good or it could <laughs> suck we'll see yeah i'm guessing this is part of the midnight competition uh, th- this is like the perfect kind of film to see at Sundance, right? To be surrounded by snow and, and, yeah. and, and actually probably, you know, you know lodges. Next, yeah, ne- yeah, lodges. Um, this uh, <laughs> script was selected for the 2017 Blood List, which is kind of like the horror version of the Blacklist. Uh, so people like the script. So that's a good sign. But Yeah, um, like I said, one thing I didn't like about Goodnight Mommy was the script. So if this script ends up being better, I, I will be very happy. Okay, that brings us to the end of our Sundance preview, but if you are listening to this podcast, you'll be getting some coverage from Sundance. Uh, Ben, you're going to bring the microphone down to Park City and be doing updates uh, throughout your time there. You're only there for, what, five days? I think it's like, yeah, four nights, five days, something like that, yes. Yeah, so we'll get some coverage there uh, with all of your favorites, and we will also reconvene sometime next week to talk about your favorite films from the festival. So you can look forward to that. Uh, but on the site right now on slash film.com, uh, Ben, what should be, what should we be looking out for? We have a feature from a freelancer, a regular freelancer named uh, Marissa Maribel, who has an article called how 2018 horror explored disability and represented it for the better. And it talks about specifically about uh, hereditary and a quiet place and bird box and how those movies um, sort of accurately uh, depict people with disabilities and how specifically they use those disabilities as, as uh, narrative tools within the movie. So uh, it's worth checking out. Chris, do you have another pick for us? Uh, I do. Uh, Matt Donato, another freelancer and uh, my co-writer on the Now Scream This horror streaming column has a list of the 10 most disturbing scenes of 2018. And they're not all horror movie scenes. Like, for instance, the the Suspiria scene, you know, the infamous dance body twisting is on there, but also the opening scene of Vox Lux, which is this rather horrific uh, school shooting scene is on there, too. So it's an interesting list because it's not just horror. 
cool. You can check those out at SlashFilm.com. I will have the links in the show notes. Uh, you can find all of our work at SlashFilm.com. Uh, you can find all of this, uh, the features we mentioned in today's podcast on, on that site or linked in the show notes. This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to Peter at SlashFilm.com. I promise we will get to the mailbag someday um and uh please head over to our itunes page rate and rate and review the podcast tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow